0: Rejection, I think, is probably one of the hardest feelings to cope with, even for myself. Like, rejection is painful, but also mm-hmm. because, of rejection because it hits at so many different emotions and so many, oftentimes, it's associated with so much about our own identity of like mm-hmm. us being okay, us being like worthy or wanted or desirable or whatever, right? Um, and so, I think recognizing that you are in pain and rather than trying to avoid from just allowing yourself to be in pain without criticizing it without being like why am i here again why am i rejected why did this happen to me just like recognizing you know i'm in pain right now and i need some sort of support
1: Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode. It's just me for the intro today. And then do I have a treat for you today. My guest is so incredible. We are talking about self-worth, confidence, getting rid of all of those negative thoughts that have been kind of ingrained in us from things that people have said to us to what we think about ourselves and how to find tools to really move forward from that. So, I am excited. I'm going to just share a couple things with you guys, and then we'll get right into the episode. So I wanted to kind of give you an update on what's going on with me. So unfortunately, so my dog, Olive, a year ago, she hurt her right knee, and I didn't take her to the vet because I basically... Uh, self-diagnosed her with a partial ligament tear, which is in dogs, is called a CCL tear. And I just kept her on restriction and gave her CBD treats and uh, joint supplements, and she started getting better, and then she'd kind of relapse, and then she'd get better. I finally took her in to get x-rays in December, and the vet was like, you, you should have taken her in for surgery a long time ago, and kind of like I felt a little like he shamed me for not being a good dog mom so i was really upset and i took her to this specialist in ontario and i took the x-rays with me and the surgeon was like no she's not a candidate for surgery it's definitely a partial tear she's walking on it fine she's not limping just keep giving her so she recommended like longer walks to help rebuild the muscle, no jumping, no running, and and just to kind of keep helping her that way. Well, unfortunately, what has happened is because she's had that injury for so long, she's now injured her other leg from overcompensation. So she's just been putting so much weight on that other leg for so long that she's been going through a lot of stress right now with my parents are getting a roof put on and there's a lot of noise and So she's just been under a lot of anxiety and kind of acting up. And she was kind of going crazy and she injured her left leg and wasn't walking on it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she fully tore it. This is going to cost me four grand to get her surgery. But I prefer to just do it and to go forward with it so that since the right leg has gotten a little better, if I wait too long and then her bad leg is overcompensating, then I'm going to have to get her surgery eventually on both legs, and it may be sooner than later. So I figured if I just get the surgery on her left leg first, then as soon as possible, then maybe I can salvage her right leg, and she won't need surgery on that one for a couple more years. So with that said, if you want to subscribe to my Patreon account... No I, I'm joking but um, no, I did want to bring up my patreon account and you know you guys there's there's three tiers there the lowest tier is just three bucks a month and that's basically just you're supporting the podcast and it's three dollars out of your bank account once a month that's less than a coffee at a coffee shop and you're just you're just you're one of the hive and you're showing me that you appreciate listening to the podcast. There's a second tier that's ten dollars it's called oh man, what did I call it? Oh, this bees. So the first one is called the supportive bee. The second one is called this bee, bee hustling. Uh, that's $10 a month. And there's some exclusive videos on there that are unlisted videos on YouTube from some of my interviews. So you get access to that. And then the third tier is the king and queen of bees because I wanted to include my men. And this is $20. And you get bonus episodes. There's already two bonus episodes up. One of them, as promised, is the three stories of the three experiences I've had with three different guys at the local hotel in Redlands called the Aries Hotel. So it's really, Jared and I recorded it, it is a fucking hilarious episode. Because I didn't, when I was explaining one of the stories, you guys, it's just... If we were dying. It's so funny, this guy. So, anyway, if you're able to subscribe to my account, um, it's www.patreon.com/slash hello and goodbye podcast. And I will keep you guys updated on Olive and let you know what the surgeon says and kind of the steps that I will have to take moving forward. But it could be a very long summer for us. So keep her in your thoughts and prayers. And um, yeah, my poor baby, She's, she's going through a lot. Okay, the other thing is I wanted to give you guys an update on New York guys. So last episode, I was telling Jared that I had met this guy from Bumble and he lived in New York and I was trying to do better about not letting it kind of consume me and becoming anxious. And, you know, where was this going? And he lives long distance and kind of with Denver guy, like I really was bummed when he changed his mind that he didn't want to see me. So I have, I have been so proud of myself this week. I have set really strong boundaries He is into me and he's so sweet and he was wanting to FaceTime every night and and talk a lot. And while normally I would totally be like, okay, yeah, let's do this. I'm doing this coaching program and I'm trying to set boundaries and not be consumed so early on in a relationship because that's when the anxiety starts for me. So I told him, you know, we can FaceTime once a week. And we can chat on text here or there. But I really, I let him know, like, I'm in this program. And I really need to focus on me. And then he said a couple things that were a little sexual. And you guys know I struggle with that. And actually, I realized something. So when someone says something sexual to me... And it takes me as a person out of the equation and it kind of objectifies me. That's when I'm triggered. But I just realized that it's something I need to work on. But I did let him know that it made me feel uncomfortable and he was super cool about it. Apologized. We had a conversation and I just told him, you know, it. It made me feel a certain way. And I don't really want to be, I don't want to be distracted with what I'm trying to work on right now. So I put a pause on things and kind of let him know that I'm not really ready to move forward in a romantic way. That if he wants to be friends, we can be friends. And he is thinking about it to see if that is going to work for him. But I have never felt more confident, more secure in dealing with. A uh, person that I'm just starting to talk to. I've never been this good about really setting boundaries and kind of slowing the pace. And yeah, guys, I'm, I'm just really proud of myself. So yeah, I will keep you guys updated. But honestly, like after the conversations with New York Guy, I just realized I need to take a couple more weeks just to focus on this program, which I'm going to start talking about now. So this program with Dr. Morgan from the ep- the attachment episode that I have. I believe it's episode 15. It's called How to Break the Toxic Relationship Cycle. You guys have to listen to it if you haven't listened to it yet, but it's a it's a dating program that helps you identify your attachment style and how to be able to find yourself in a more secure way and come to relationships in a more secure way so that you're soothing yourself and you're able to communicate and set boundaries. And so far, it's been really great. It has been a lot of work. There's homework. I'm reading a book. There is a group chat every week where we do get some one-on-one coaching and then I get two one-on-one coaching sessions with Dr. Morgan each month, and my first coaching session is coming up this Friday, which I'm really excited about. So one of the things, I just want to share one of the things that I really, really loved, and it's a, a handout that we got in a video that we watched about rights in relationships. I'm just going to, I don't want to, I want to be careful about how much I share on on here because obviously Me and the other participants are all paying for this program and I want to be respectful of Dr. Morgan. But there was one thing on the rights and relationship that I wanted to share. Okay, this is what I wanted to share. And I wanted to share this one because I think a lot of women especially have a hard time feeling like they have a right to say when they don't feel like they've been treated right or like they almost feel bad about telling a guy that he's made a mistake i know this because i have friends who don't really like for instance a guy will send him a dick pic and they just they won't say anything whereas you guys know me like if he if i ever got that i would lecture the person so here is a mistaken traditional assumption about what you should do in a relationship you should be flexible and adjust. Others have good reasons for their actions, and it's not polite to question them. And here's your actual legitimate rights. You have a right to protest unfair treatment or criticism. So, guys, you have a right to, to stand up for yourself in a relationship or when you first start talking to someone. And an example of that is 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 the conversation that i had with new york guy this week he did something it made me feel uncomfortable and i let him know instead of just kind of writing it off and continuing forward i think you don't necessarily have to protest everything that you don't like but it, when when it's something really big and it really makes you uncomfortable don't be afraid to say how it makes you feel and you know, do it in a non-accusatory way, but you guys have a right to protest unfair treatment or criticism. So I really love that, and I wanted to share that with you guys. I will continue to let you know how the program is going for me and maybe share a couple of tips and tools moving forward. If you guys are in interested in more information on the program, make sure to go check out at Dr. Morgan Coaching on Instagram, and you can find all of the info about it there. Okay, with all that said, I'm so excited for this episode. I hope you guys enjoy. You might want to get out your notebook and take some notes because there's really just some great tools and tips for um, really building up your self confidence. Here we go. All right, you guys, well, I am so excited to bring on my next guest. She is a licensed clinical psychologist and consultant with significant experience in working with young adults and millennials in helping them navigate their personal and professional lives within today's society. Dr. Shiva has a particular specialty and passion for working with young women in improving self-confidence, social anxiety, and relational wellness. Dr. Shiva strives to empower others to take control of their lives, take more space, and feel liberated in living a life that they want and deserve. She has a private practice for individual and group therapy in Newport Beach, California. She also provides consultations and trainings for individuals and major companies around the topics of mental health, social anxiety, stress management, healthy relationships, and self-care. Please welcome Dr. Shiva. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. Me too. I'm so excited
0: to officially meet you. I know we met on Instagram, but to see you and to be having this conversation today.
1: I know. It's kind of crazy that Instagram can connect people in such a organic way. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's especially I've experienced like the benefits of Instagram and social media, especially during this time of social distancing. I feel like like there's just such a strong community through Instagram now. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I've had an experience in the past.
1: Yes, I completely agree. So tell us, why don't you just tell my listeners a little bit about you? Like sure. maybe what makes you you? A little bit about your story, how you got into psychology. Sure, of course.
0: And so I'll share a little bit, but feel free to ask me any question I may miss around that. Um, so hi, everyone. So I'm Dr. Shiva. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and I'm a consultant. I have been practicing for many years now, actually. Um, I pursued my undergraduate in psychology in Spanish. And so I was one of those people who always knew, like, I want to become a psychologist, I want to be in a helping profession. And then I pursued my master's in marriage and family therapy. Um, And so I was able to get a lot of couples experience and working with families. And then I, after that, I, I always knew I wanted to become a psychologist, and I wanted to really work with individuals. And I then pursued so my doctorate in clinical psychology. Wow! Yeah, it's been it's been a long, <laughs> many many years coming. Can I ask how old you are? Sure, I'm in. Well, I'm 31, so I'm in my early. Oh 30. my gosh, you're so young for accomplishing so much. That's crazy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think I've been lucky because I've just always known that I wanted to become a psychologist. But I mean, it was many years in the making. I found mm-hmm. that you know I like. I had to sacrifice a portion of my life to finally get here, but I'm mm-hmm. happy to be
1: here. <laughs> yeah.
0: And where did you grow up? So I actually grew up in Southern California. So I um, grew up in LA and then for college, I had mo- moved to Orange County. And so ever since then, I've been in like San Diego, OC, LA. I did a year in Florida. But outside of that, I'm, I'm like a SoCal girl through and through. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I
1: mean, you can't beat this weather. You just can't. <laughs>
0: And I think the lifestyle, it's funny because before I moved to Florida, I didn't realize how spoiled we are here. Like, as far as the weather, the people, I just love everything about the Southern California experience.
1: (laughs) I know. I know. Those of you who are listening that don't live here, you should move move here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what about, maybe just tell us a couple, like, what do you like to do for fun Sure. So
0: as far as fun, I'm like, what do I like to do for fun? Because of so much of my, I think a lot of what I'm doing right now, like just connecting with you and having these conversations, like I actually find these, just my work, a lot of fun. Mm. Um, But I would say, you know, just being around family and friends. Like I love, you know, trying new restaurants. I love wineries. A lot of things that unfortunately right now where I can't do. I know. (laughs) But I'm finding fun in like, you know, in things that are different. Like I, you know, I'm like cooking more now than ever. So like, that's, you know, this new enjoyable thing for me. Um, I'm trying to, you know, just be more creative in things that I am finding fun now, but
1: good. How, yeah, I was going to ask, like, how have you been handling the quarantine? How has that affected your clients? What, you know, what do you, do you have any suggestions for like us moving forward as we start to integrate back into society? Yeah,
0: yeah of course. I mean, I think I definitely like everyone has been impacted in some way get, when we were social distancing and just with COVID and the anxiety and the uncertainty. And I think the limit, like the extent to which they've been impacted obviously has varied. But overall, I mean, I think you know, really being intentional about like having those social connections. I think for Mm. so many of us, even for myself, even as things are opening, I'm still wanting to socially, I mean, physically distant. And so I think Mm -hmm. it's so important that we still maintain those social connections because we can feel just more lonely and disconnected and um, just more like depressive symptoms and anxiety during this time. And so really Mm -hmm. being intentional to do things, even though it feels like, you know, A mission at times to do those things. You know, I like Mm -hmm. my, um, oftentimes with my friends, I'm like, I know I should be walking. And I, I know the benefits of that, of just being out and the thought of just getting out there and having to do all these things to prep, wearing a mask, just making sure I'm like, you know, keeping my distance. It just feels like a barrier, but and still making sure you're doing those things.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I brought you on here today. We had kind of chatted about what, we wanted to talk about in this episode and uh, we kind of landed on your your work with women and kind of working on self confidence and maybe social anxieties and i want to you know also say to my male listeners that this can apply to you as well but you typically work with women on this specific topic correct
0: So I actually work with both like women and um, men around like social anxiety. Um, I will say though, I've just been doing more individual work where I've had more women reach out to me around Mm -hmm. being is self-critical or socially anxious. But I think that it, just like you're saying, like it definitely is prevalent in both for women and men. And I think it's something that could be helpful for both genders of really knowing how do I cope with this? How do I be less self-critical? Because it is an experience um, that both genders have, yeah.
1: Yeah. So can you just kind of tell us maybe a little background of why you kind of focus on that topic and maybe um, where that leads you within your practice? And we can kind of dive into into that subject a little of course,
0: bit. Of course. Yeah. I will say, so I think, you know, as throughout my graduate school, I had pretty generalist training. And so every year I would work with a different population or within a different setting. And what I found really that I was most passionate about was when I was working with individuals who had so much potential or were so qualified, or, you know, I would sit with them and I'm like, you're so great. And I found that they were thinking, you know, they would get in their own way because they were thinking, had a lot of self-critical thoughts, assume that other people didn't see that. And so really struggled with low self-esteem. And so I think for me as a clinician, it was such a, it's been such a gratifying experience to be able to support those individuals and help them to see really who they really are in a really accurate way. Um, And I think it makes such a significant impact or or the thoughts that we have about ourselves, what we say to ourselves, how we think other people are experiencing us has such a significant impact in all areas of our lives. And so Mm -hmm. I think if I can help someone really challenge their thinking in that way, I know that it will have such a significant impact, not just Mm. in relationships, but Really, in their quality of life, I always say it's a quality of life issue. You could be doing well, but do you have the potential to be doing better? Of course, you know if you're if you can really be just more compassionate with your thinking. Um, So, I think clinically, I feel most drawn towards helping you know individuals who are more self critical, and I feel like there's really specific tools that if we can incorporate into your experience and into your thinking, and you know just behaviorally, it can have like I'm confident that change will come about in a really short period of time. And so I think that's another part of it that really I, I gravitate towards. Absolutely. Yeah, but I would also say, you know, on a personal level, I I was that person who was second guessing myself, who was self-critical. You know, I look back even on early on in my graduate career, I was, when I look back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was doing so many things for my age and I was at the top of my class and I didn't believe it. And so I mm. always think like, if I can help someone to believe it, like, how could their experience then look different? Mm. Like, so I think on a personal level, I'm just, you know, feel like, okay, this is what I need to do, because I don't want someone to like, look back and be like, oh, I wish I would have taken more advantage or taken more space. Mm. um, They had so much to offer.
1: Yeah, I love that so So, much. So, so you know, this is a dating podcast. And so I kind of want to like, I want to, have you kind of offer us some tools of of how to work on this individually maybe can you help us give us some ideas of maybe things that you give your clients to to help with those things that have yeah. always been told to us so, i mean i think even with that example that you gave it was such a great example because i feel like
0: and i'll definitely share some tools but I think that just demonstrate or can demonstrate when we've had an experience where we, we've either been shamed or really pained by something that's been said or done to us. If we don't process that, if we don't feel like or we already have a strong sense of self or we don't have people to talk it through or whatever, um, we then navigate through life assuming that this thing that was once something that we we were criticized about or, you know, deemed different from other people is now something that everyone else is hyper-focusing on. Mm. You're like, you, it's sort of like if we struggle with our weight or like, you know, if we've struggled and then we go on a date, we assume people are immediately first thinking about our weight. Yes, absolutely. There may be 10 other things they may think about before they even get to like physical appearance, for Mm instance. So I think it just really shows just the importance of how childhood experience or experiences of bullying or social support, how significantly it can impact us in ways that we may not even realize until it shows up on a date mm-hmm. like that or mm-hmm. like in our adulthood. But going back to sort of your question of, your question was, how do I, how do tools for when going on a date? Is that right? Is that the question? Well,
1: maybe we could discuss first like tools like, how do we work on ourselves so that doesn't show up sure. in our dating life or in our relationships?
0: So I think that one like really powerful way to work on ourselves is being aware of what are we saying to ourselves about ourselves, right? So even if we're thinking about physical appearance or our likability or what we have to offer, a lot of times, good or bad, we're saying something to ourselves before a our date. Right? They're like, someone may say, they're going to really love me. I have so much to offer. And other people may say, like, oh my gosh, I hope they like me. Mm. Like, those are two very different thought processes and mindsets. You're sort of giving an energy and thinking about something in a way that can significantly then exper- change your experience within that date. Right? Mm. So I encourage listeners, and I think this is so key for dating, but just being aware of what are you saying to yourself prior to the date? And, mm those self-critical thoughts, like where are those coming from? Because oftentimes before a first date, the person doesn't even know us, right? Mm. But like we're saying certain things about ourselves about that dating experience. And I always tell people, um, and, you know, I do this to myself too. If I'm having a thought that's causing me anxiety or bringing up more negative feelings or more of a self-critical thought, I say like, okay, is this, thought, is this a thought or is this a fact? Because mm. I'm responding to it like a fact right now. And if I can sort of see the difference between the two, then when I can realize, oh, it's just a thought, then it doesn't feel as powerful, Mm. right? I think another thing that I would encourage, you know, uh, people to do is like, okay, let's say like, it is true. Let's say a common thought that I hear from just young adults in the dating world is like, well, they may not like me, Right. Well, yeah, they may not like you. You First of all, you may not like them too, but they may not like you. But like, let's say that's true. Like, what's the worst that will happen if after first date, they don't like you, right? I think we tend to have these like negative thoughts and focus on these worst case scenarios without really thinking, okay, well, what, ha- what will happen if they don't like me, right? Mm. And I think it can be pretty powerful if once you're able to see like nothing will happen or I'll be okay, it will suck. I'll be just fine. Right. Mm -hmm. So those are, I think our thoughts are so powerful on just how we experience everything.
1: I seriously love that so much. And I think that's been something. So last, uh, a couple episodes ago, I, I shared a little bit about my story and my bringing up, and I had these things that were told to me that have been kind of shaped a little bit of Mm -hmm. of my anxiety and how I approach dating. And I went through a divorce four years ago. And for the first, I would say two and a half to three years of dating, I was doing exactly that. Before every date, I was like, well, what if, what if they don't like me? What if I'm too much? What if they hurt me? Um, and and my my guy friend Jared, who I have on the podcast Mm -hmm. a lot, He kept saying to me, he's like, wait a second, but what if you don't like them? Yeah. Like, he's like, when you go on a date, you are giving an interview. You're not being interviewed. You're giving the interview because you need to figure out if you like them. And so that's kind of, you know, sometimes now when I go on dates, I I kind of, I talk, like you said, I talk to myself before the date and I say, if I don't like this person, I just need to tell them I'm going to move forward. If they don't like me, that's okay. They're they're not the right person for me. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be someone else that's come that's going to come along that thinks I'm this amazing person and just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And so mm-hmm. I I just I really really love that because I think I think we so often those negative thoughts, just they kind of circle. And like, I, I think I heard somewhere that even just saying things that you're grateful for automatically ch- changes mm-hmm. the chemical reaction in your brain. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I can imagine that if we sat there and we were like, I am not too much. I am perfect the way I am. I am beautiful. I deserve to be loved and kind of listed off all of these things that it would change the chemical reaction in our brain so that we start those negative thoughts start to kind of dissipate. Right.
0: No, I do think so. I First of all, I love that you had a friend um, and I've heard your sort of, inner, well, I've heard your podcast with Jared and I just love that he was able to challenge you in that. And I think that when you're able to stop that thinking or even just be aware of the thinking, it can make such a different, um, just such a, impact on how you just approach the date, how you're gonna even show up on the date, like Mm -hmm. what questions you're gonna ask, not ask. But I do think I think positive that idea of positive affirmations, I do think it is helpful. I will say though for someone who really struggles with their self-esteem, let's say, if, like, you know, for clients that I have who are, you know, experiencing just really low self-esteem or maybe more socially anxious, it may be hard to believe those affirmations. Mm. But if you're listening and you're like, oh, I've tried to say I'm beautiful or I'm I got this or whatever, and it just doesn't work. It makes sense because I think cognitively maybe hard to take that in, right? It Mm. doesn't fit with the way that you're understanding yourself. So in some times I'll have clients tell me like, well, I just don't believe it or I feel like I'm lying to myself, which makes me feel even worse, right? Mm. Um, But I think that what could even be more like, what could really help, even if you're experiencing like lower self-esteem is saying like, okay, well, I think like, I feel like I won't be liked, but- Is that fully true? Right? So just being more accurate. I always tell people like, the goal is that you'll be more accurate. You don't have to be the most positive thinker, but just be more accurate as far as like you and the world and like what you're experiencing. Uh, and I think on a personal level, I have heard, though, just to share, like, positive affirmations are really helpful for people who, like, do do tend to have a good, like, a higher level of self-esteem. So mm. if you're finding, like, you know, overall you're doing well, but there's an area where, like, you don't feel too great about, then positive affirmations are probably going to be helpful for you because it's easier for your mind to, like, take that in. It fits with mm. other other sort of your own thoughts about you and other areas of your life.
1: Right. You know, okay, so okay, and I totally understand that, and you're so right because when you were saying that, I'm like, yeah, two years ago, a year or three years ago, you're right, I wouldn't have been able to say those Mm -hmm. things that I listed off. And the reason why I was able to say those things and feel confident in them is because I've done the work, but I remember being in that place where it was such a dark place and so like felt guilt and shame. And I wasn't even able to see those Mm -hmm. things. And so can we talk a little bit? Cause I I have a couple of friends that I know really, really struggle with Mm self-confidence that like you said, probably aren't even able to list those things because they don't believe them. So what are some, I love that you said, think about, well, is it, is this a fact or Mm -hmm. is this just what I think? Mm -hmm. What are maybe some other things that those that aren't able to kind of believe those things what else can they work sure, towards sure sure um i think you know more so
0: these would be also related to the thoughts but like what evidence do i have to believe this thought right so the believe the thought that i will be rejected and my evidence i mean like it's evidence that you and a friend and someone else would also agree so it's just very clear cut it's not how you feel or how you think it's like you know when I'm working with clients, I'm like, let's say it's evidence that if you showed this in a court of law, they would be like, oh, I agree with you, Shiva, right? Mm. Because it's not clear that anyone who has ha- has that experience would think that. Right mm. um so what evidence do I have? I think also with when we have lower self esteem or- ex- experiencing more lowered self esteem, we tend to have these habitual thoughts, these thoughts that tend to come up for us when we're feeling more anxious or feeling more self critical or whatever it is, and so really differentiating like okay, is am I having this thought because of the scenario because of this specific date, or do I tend to have this thought every time I go on a new date right mm. And if you're able to see like, oh, no, this is a thought that always comes up for me before a date, then it sort of takes away the validity of the thought, right? You can expect to have the thought, right? Mm-hmm. So cognitively, I would say those things. I think um, I love the gratitude, um, sort of gratitude journal or identifying the things that you brought up of that you're grateful for. I think that can really help our self-esteem and just make us feel a sense of greater sense of fulfillment within our life. So I think if you're not using a gratitude journal, that could be a great like coping to start. I will say also when we are more self-critical or more anxious, we tend to want to avoid from those experiences that are triggering that for us. Mm. When we think about dating, if you feel like I'm just not lovable, I'm not going to find anyone. I'm going to be rejected. Like you're more likely to be like, well, why would I go on a first date again? If I'm never going to find someone. Right. So Even though that feels like more comfortable to do based on these thoughts that you have, I would encourage you to actually approach that thing that's triggering those thoughts. Mm. Because I think that the more that we avoid, first of all, it feeds into this thinking. And also it doesn't allow us to see like, actually, this thought isn't always true. Even though Mm. I'm having the thought that I will be rejected, maybe you may go on the date and be like, actually, I'm not into that person that much.
1: Mm -hmm. Right? So
0: it allows you to see like my sort of going back to this thought is just a thought. And I can now gather more evidence or more information that I could possibly have a different experience. And if you do that enough, by the 10th date, that thought that you have that you'll be rejected will be like sort of counter sort of balanced with the thought that like, well, actually, I may be the one that doesn't like them because I haven't Mm. four out of the 10 people.
1: Mm. Okay. So Kind of continuing that thought, how do you feel like this has been said to me before? Because when I was kind of in my harder like anxiety dating experiences of feeling that lack of self-worth, I would say before a date or before a second date, I would say, I know they're going to hurt me or I think this is going to end. I can feel it. I can just feel they're not going to text me back. And my friends would say, Leanna, stop speaking that into the universe because you're going to make it happen. Mm. How do you feel about that? Because kind of what you're saying is like, tackle it head on. And even though you have that negative thought, like still approach it. But for me, I was so scared of being rejected and abandoned that oftentimes I was rejected and abandoned. Mm. And so then it was like, well, this is coming true. This thought that I'm having it, it is, I it's almost like I'm speaking it to be true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, um,
0: I think, you know, I can really connect with what your friends are saying, because I so believe in like the energy that we just on a personal level, I really believe the energy that we put out um, really impacts on our experience and the outcomes that we have. But I also think, you know, when you're in some ways, it's like self-sabotage, right? If we think like, they're not going to call me back. Well, it is right. They're not going to call me back or they're going to ghost me. And I think ghosting is a, you know, a lot of times has to do a lot with the other person who ends up doing the ghoster. It has a lot to do with that. But I think that when we say these things, it's in a way to try to protect ourselves because we're scared of being hurt. Right. But then that, even saying that likely, and I don't know for you, but like, then impacts how we then interact. Maybe we then start pursuing that person more than we normally would, right? And so then that person gets turned off by it, or maybe we just completely disconnect and distance ourselves, so that so that that then that other person also then has a reaction to that, right? Mm. Our behaviors change that unfortunately, and then sort of it's it, it's like the self fulfilling prophecy. What we're scared of then ends up happening, but also because our behaviors and the way that we interact with that situation changes based on the thought that we have or this expectation that we have.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So then how can we avoid that? Like if, okay. So like, so what we're saying, like kind of piecing this together, you're saying if you have super low confidence, sometimes it's hard to not think like to be like, well, I, I don't believe those things. So if what you're saying to yourself is this person is going to reject me and because you truly believe that you're not worth being loved, right? So you can't. You're at the place where you feel that so much yeah. that you can't think of anything different. How do you change that? Yeah. So to, I w- to not self-sabotage. Yeah. So I would then
0: say, How do you know they would reject you, or they are going to reject you? Mm-hmm. And I know you, I heard you just say, like, I feel it so strongly, which is something that I hear often. And even for myself, there may be moments where I'm like, I'm so certain about this. Right. But it's usually when I'm saying that it's something from my own past is coming up. Right. Mm. It doesn't necessarily have to do with that other person, which is making me on a body level, like preparing me for this negative experience that I've had. So I would say tangible things are, how do you know that that's true? How do you know it will happen? And, you know, there may be, you know, times where you're like, oh, Shiva, actually, I do know it's true because it's happened XYZ times, right? Okay, let's say it happens. How would you cope? Because I think that's the part, I think the coping is the part that we oftentimes... Like, we tend to believe when we're anxious about something, we tend to believe that we're less likely to be able to cope with something than we actually are. Does that make sense? Mm. Like, in reality, when we are in that situation, we're able to cope more than we think we will be able to when we're super anxious about something or we're thinking about something more negatively. Mm. So I think it's sort of preparing then a tangible would be like, okay, well, how would I cope? What would I do? like let's make mm-hmm. it really specific. And if you know there's a way out, if you know that you'll be just okay, like you may not like it, but you'll be fine, I think that can help in the moment of like managing whatever's coming up.
1: Does that make sense? Like, yes. Can you share some coping <laughs> <laughs> no. methods of like of like going through rejection and already having low self-esteem and then it's like, okay, now you're in it again. And you're absolutely right. I think we're all stronger than we think we are. Mm -hmm. And it seems like in that moment, it seems so, it seems like we're in it and we can't get out of it, but we do, we get out of it and we move on. But do you mind sharing some stuff while you're really kind of deep in it? Yeah, Um, of
0: course. Um, So some of this stuff I'll share and it may be helpful, some of it may not be helpful because I think that part of it is also the part of doing the work, right? And like. Some of it's gonna, if it's really if there are certain things that are really ingrained as far as the way that you think about yourself or feel, it can be really hard to do these things alone. And so, I would encourage either coaching or therapy or whatever. But I will say, like, some tips I think really validating that and acknowledging that you know you're having a certain feeling, and that's okay. Like, if you feel rejection, I think is probably one of the hardest feelings to cope with, even for myself, like rejection. Is painful, but also mm-hmm. because of judgment, because it hits at so many different emotions. And so many, oftentimes it's associated with so much about our own identity of like, mm-hmm. us being okay, us being like worthy or wanted or desirable or whatever, right? Um, and so I think recognizing that you are in pain and rather than trying to avoid from just allowing yourself to be in pain without criticizing it without being like why am I here again why am I rejected why did this happen to me just like recognizing you know I'm in pain right now and I need some sort of support and doing something that's really healthy maybe reaching out to friends or journaling or whatnot I think another thing that could be helpful is usually when we're rejected we tend to think of all the things that we've done wrong Mm. but if only I didn't call him three times, or if only like I was more talkative on the date or, you know, whatever it may be, if only I was 10 pounds lighter, it's usually the things that we're self-conscious about that we then think if only I, you know, had changed that or didn't do that. Mm. And I would encourage you to really in that moment think, okay, that is true. But right now I'm thinking about it as like, that must a hundred percent or 70% be the reason why this thing has ended what could be other things that could have contributed? So I usually will tell people like, think of a pie chart when we're rejected or we're feeling anxious or whatnot. We tend to think like that, that thought that we have or that negative thing that we're thinking is a hundred percent of the pie chart. So it's because like, if we wanted to go with weight, it's because I, you know, if only I was 10 pounds lighter, I'm overweight or I'm not desirable. Right. And that's a hundred percent of the pie chart. What could be other things? Could it, And like really taking yourself through that process of could it be that a person was emotionally unavailable? Could it Mm. be that there was just not a strong connection, right? Could it be that they're dealing with their own emotional insecurities? Could it be that you did do something that wasn't whatever it is, right? But like really acknowledging all of those in allowing yourself to see that it's not just one thing that's contributing it to it. It can be Seven different things, and oftentimes when we're able to see that and have just a more clear perspective, we f- can feel a little. We feel less guilty or less responsibility, and can feel better about the situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I. Ugh, everything you're saying is like so good, and I'm so excited that my listeners are hearing this. I think you know some some personal tools that I've used as well. Just recently like in the last year I've had a couple guys like really hurt me and Mm -hmm. I felt like I just kind of put myself out there and then was fully rejected and then I had to remember and through support through friends people saying things like this wasn't you like okay yeah maybe sometimes there maybe the connection just isn't what that person is looking mm-hmm. for and that's okay like i go on dates all the time and i just i don't feel chemistry and i i just let the person know i said listen you're you're an amazing person i right. just i don't have that romantic chemistry mm-hmm. and i just want you to know that and that's okay that's that's not something that we can control and it has nothing to do with that person's worth mm-hmm. but i think with these specific guys that have hurt me, I have, when I look, when I think about them, they weren't emotionally available. They were avoidant. And mm-hmm. we talked about that a lot in the attachment episode with Dr. Morgan. Mm-hmm. They did not treat me the way that I deserved to be treated and then didn't like when I called him out on it. So it's mm-hmm. like all of those things, instead of me harping on this idea of, oh, I just wasn't good enough, or I was too much, or I was too needy, or I was too pushy, No, they were these things. And so instead of me not being or being too much for them, they weren't enough for me. Uh, I love that. I think, yes, I think
0: getting some mindset of like, yes, they weren't enough for you. And so many times, and I think especially I will say, especially as, as women do, I see this in just my work and just through my friends and my own experience of like, we often either feel like we're being too much or we're not being enough. And to mm-hmm. be able to recognize, like, how is that other person contributing to this belief is so, it's a game changer. Because I think then it takes the responsibility off of us and the shame off of us and really just sees it as a dynamic. This dynamic just may not be working. Like, this is not what I want. And maybe it's not what they want, but it's definitely not what I want, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so that perspective shift, that mindset, I think is so key in how you respond to rejection. But even when we're thinking about going into a date, like, you know, you mentioned early on, like you are the interviewer. And that is, if you can go in with that perspective, you feel just more confident and in control than if you're mm. like, you're being interviewed and evaluated. Mm-hmm. Right? So like thinking about it as like, I, these are, you know, and I think one way to do that is really being clear with yourself of like, what is the intention of the date? It's to get to know someone, but what do you, what do you personally really want from a date, from a relationship? And I think when you can know that, then you can come into the date, just feeling a lot more confident and just knowing, you know, there's something specifically I'm looking for. And if this person doesn't fit the bill or doesn't need it, then I, you know, will then divert my attention elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, versus waiting for them to see what they, how they feel about us or what will happen.
1: Or even trying to make them into the right person because you don't, because you want it so bad, right? right. Because you're like, don't want to be alone anymore. And so you're like, well, they don't have this and they don't have this, but they have this. And I think that I can probably like put this on them and then they could be the perfect person. and Right. And it's, and that's the thing. I think when we, it
0: like, you know, I've even, you know, been in relationships where like when you're in the relationship, um, it can be really easy to just justify like, oh, well, you know, they do this because of X, Y and Z. I don't like this trait, but, you know, it's because they're really struggling or whatever. But, if you know, now every year that goes by, I think even for myself, I think of, you know what are my non-negotiables? What are things that I need to have within the relationship and I want to have within the relationship so that we don't even get to the place where I'm justified because I know so clearly what I'm wanting that on the first few dates, I can see like, will this person fit that or not?
1: You Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So can we kind of transition a little bit because I have a lot of listeners who are in relationships or are married. And so I'm sure that, lack of self-confidence or those self-doubts creeps into relationships. I mean, I was married at a point and it certainly was part of my relationship. Mm -hmm. And so how can we kind of cope with those things with our partner or if our partner does something that triggers that, that kind of negative thought, what is kind of the best way to approach that and how to communicate that with them Mm -hmm. with, you know, with that's a healthy, that's in a healthy Mm -hmm. way. Yeah, I think
0: um, as far as some of it will be internal work. So, some of it will be like you will be doing some of the work, or whoever's listening will be doing some of the work by themselves as far as challenging their own thoughts. But I think the communication piece is key. So, and I think that there's a way to do that that allows you to not only feel better about yourself, but also feel more connected and just str- within a stronger, emotionally stronger relationship. Um, oftentimes, I think when we feel you know, vulnerable or jealous, or maybe, you know, more self-critical, we tend to focus on the other person's behavior. Like you did X, Y, and Z, and this is now what it's done to me, right? Or there's a lot of blaming or not really recognizing how you're emotionally feeling. And so one tangible way that I would suggest is the use of I statements. Have you ever heard of I statements? Yes.
1: Yeah. Like I feel this way. Versus you're making it, I don't know. Sorry, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to interject on you.
0: No, 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 please do. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly what you're saying of like, you know, usually when we're feeling more jealous or self-conscious or vulnerable, we tend to be like, you did this way or this always happens. We use a lot of absolutes or we tend to put on the other person. We externalize. You made me feel jealous. You talked to so-and-so, right? Um, but rather than doing that, I think it's really Right, checking with yourself of like, how am I feeling? And so if you don't know how you're feeling, that's also okay, because a lot of us haven't really focused on how we're feeling. And so really taking the time to identify that. And then how am I going to communicate that? So a way to communicate it would be through the I statements of I feel jealous or sad when you, and then really being specific about the behavior that's bringing that. So Mm -hmm. when you, you know, I feel, I feel, sad when you, you know, cancel our like date night last minute, right? Mm. I, I would really appreciate it if, or I really want this from you. Or I really need this from you because I'm tending to feel self-critical. I really need this from you to let me know at least a day before, like about date night or that we reschedule at that same time once we cancel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As I'm saying this, I know, and usually when I present it to people, it feels so simple. Like, oh, like we just say how we feel and we ask for the specific behavior. But when we're feeling like triggered, this is really hard to do. Yes. Yes. Yeah, right. it is. It's so hard, like you know, you having to really be intentional about separating, you know, what you think, your own assumptions, your own thoughts, like what you expect versus what's actually happening from you for you, and what you're actually needing for that person. Mm-hmm. But to be able to do that, you have to be so clear with yourself of what's happening for you and what you need. But I, I think that that could be a really, you know, even thinking about thoughts that are triggering or if they feel triggered by self-curdling, you can use that same template to express what you need. And when we do that, and even when I was doing couples therapy, when we can speak from that place, oftentimes the people we're in relationships with or our partners feel more drawn to coming to help us. So if your partner hears and you're in a healthy relationship that you feel jealous or you feel hurt or you pain by something that they're doing A natural reaction was like, oh, well, I don't want you to feel that way. Like, let me listen to that. Mm. But when we sort of go into, well, you did this to me, you did that, and we blame, we blame. a natural human reaction is like we all feel more defensive of like, wait, no, I didn't, and we want to sort of justify her. So it's two different, leads to two different outcomes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think that could be really powerful within a relationship if it can be used regularly.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so what would you, so yes, to all that you just said. And I actually have had some, I've been able to kind of in the past year voice that in terms of I've been dating someone, they cancel on me or they're not making plans with me. And so I've said, hey, listen, I would really appreciate it if you just sat at your calendar and set up a date with me. It would make me feel really nice. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the reaction that I've gotten from that is they don't like that because it's, it's almost like I'm asking for a little bit of like effort and accountability. And so I guess, I mean, I mean, I can answer my own question, but I kind of want my listeners to kind of hear your take on that because I think we often settle You know, we're like, okay, well, this person's really special. And, you know, I said my need and they're not really respecting my need, but that's okay because maybe my expectations are too high. Right.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think in, so I, I just want to sort of share, and I feel so passionate about this. If you ever in a dating relationship feel like you're being too much, you're asking for too much, you're, you know, like making something, you know, I hear this a lot, a big deal, quote unquote, I think that's so telling of the relationship. Mm. like if you're using I statements, you know, the first time maybe someone may be like, oh, I don't get it, or this is different because it is different. But ultimately, if they're not being open to it and not wanting to take in how you're feeling, I think that speaks volumes about the quality of the relationship. And I think that at that point, it's a question for you to really see is this a relationship that I want? Do I feel emotionally validated and supported in this relationship? Or am I wanting to be in a relationship where when I express my feelings of other persons not wanting to take it in or thinks mm-hmm. that I'm too much right. Mm-hmm. So I, and I do think, I think that what you're sharing is also something that a lot of people will say like, well, how about if, you know, they negatively respond or they don't listen when I use I statements and all of that can be true, but also mm-hmm. you're setting boundaries with that person. And this is, the use of I statements allows you to set boundaries and see who respects it and who doesn't with
1: that. Okay, so then let's say they don't respect it. Yeah. How can you have the confidence to walk away from that relationship? Yeah,
0: this, this is a hard one. Uh, <laughs> every relationship is so unique. And so I will say, I think. You know, I think there's no perfect answer. Like, I wish there was like a way for me to say, like, just, you know, do this or no to do this. And it won't be as clear cut. I think especially with relationships and our emotions in general, there's so much gray area. And so it's really, you know, what I would suggest if you're in that situation where you're thinking about, should I leave? Um, there's probably a reason why you're thinking about it. And so validating that. And so really being clear on like, what is making, taking inventory of like, what's making me want to leave and what would be reasons to stay, right? And I think not forgetting why you're wanting to leave. So if you're if you're really confident, like, okay, no, I for sure want to leave. There's, you know, 10 different reasons and it outweighs, you know, the positives or other reasons why I would stay in the relationship. I think it's not forgetting that because I think when we are wanting to make a big decision like that, something that can be really scary. There may be other thoughts and fears that come up when we want to end a a relationship. Like a common one is, will I ever find someone again if I want to leave? It's reminding yourself of what's making you want to leave and also what you're wanting, right? And Mm. do that fit. Because Mm. if they don't fit, then it's also, you know, what is the impact of that on the relationship you're in, Mm -hmm. right? But I wish I could give a more clear answer of like, these are things to do, but I just think that it, I would be doing your listeners a disservice because I think it can look so different for each person listening and for all of us. And so maybe, you know, doing that for yourself, but of reaching out to someone, talking it through, like seeing, you know, a huge part of this is just knowing yourself and what you're needing and getting that
1: support around that. Yeah. And I want to be clear that when, like what I was kind of, Referring to was more like short term like relationships in terms of like these guys that had not respected what I was saying and using was like three weeks long. So, like at that point, yeah, that's kind of a red flag. And I should be able to have the confidence be like, okay, they're they're not respecting me, so they're not having what I need, and so I need to walk away in a a long term relationship where you've been with this person forever. Like what you're saying, if all of a sudden you're like, okay. I'm going to start using I statements and they're not used to that. Like give them some time and, and maybe talk down and sit with them and be like, Hey, listen, I know this is kind of different, but I want us to have a healthier relationship. Mm. I want us to have healthier communication. And so I'm really working on myself to kind of figure out what's triggering me so that instead of just kind of lashing out on you when you say something that does trigger me, I'm really able to kind of internally think about it. And then I can let you know how it makes me feel. And I would love if you could be open to kind of working with me on that. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that. And yes,
0: I, I think I was answering more based on um, just more long-term, you know. Yes. Yes. But I do think the short-term, no, you're right. I think the short-term is A, like validating that you're not getting that. And also, like I had heard this quote, I think Oprah had said it, but when people show you who they are, believe that. And so I think- oh, I, love I love that so much. I love that quote. I know, it's so good. But really trusting, like if you're having a gut reaction, if you're having- you know, you've sort of brought something up to someone and it it is a red flag. Like what we oftentimes do when we like someone, especially, especially, or we feel like, oh, how about if I don't find anyone else or whatever? We tend to be like, oh, well, maybe it's just this time. Or maybe, you know, it's a red flag, but it doesn't really mean anything because I know better, right? Mm -hmm. I won't be part. And so really trusting that and not justifying it. So going back to that evidence piece that we were talking about uh, earlier on, a red flag is a red flag you may feel okay with the red flag, but it's still a red flag, right? Mm -hmm. Or You might have reasonings as to, oh, maybe the red flag is there because of their childhood. That could be true, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it's a red flag. Mm -hmm. And so sorry, I had answered your question a little differently, but like thinking- No, 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 you're fine. But that sort of your question is like trusting your instinct and also just recognizing the evidence and not sort of justifying it or providing, mm-hmm. you know, reasons that we tend to do, especially when we like someone. And then I think the other thing is just, you know, thinking about what you're wanting and that it does exist. So the way that we think about it, like, you know, it is there. You may not have found that person. You may not have found that experience and it still exists, mm-hmm. right? Like you it just you just haven't gotten there yet.
1: Yes. And I actually, I loved how you answered the question because I think for those who are in long-term relationships who are maybe having some questions, I think that's a great way to approach it. I just don't want people to think that I'm encouraging them to to leave their relationships based on one instance.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, that's so true. I don't think one instance, I think, you know, relationships include just a lot of, you know, it can include just arguing. That's normal. It's just really in how you do all of that. But yeah, I'm glad we're on the same (laughs) page.
1: I don't don't want to get emails that's like, I left my husband of seven years because (laughs) you didn't listen to my I statement. (laughs) This is one
0: piece of the puzzle. So yeah, yeah. for listeners to really take that in of like, this is one strategy, it may or may not work, and it may or may not, you know, I think of even, you know, cultural factors. I think, you know in many cultures to express how you feel and to like own it and be like, this is how I'm feeling. And this is what I need from you may not be culturally congruent, may not be comfortable. Like, you know, I mentioned I'm Iranian. I was born here in California, but still like, I'm very influenced by like more of the collectivist culture and values. And so for a long time, for me to get to a place where I felt comfortable to say, I feel this way and I need you to do this thing for me felt uncomfortable. Mm. Like it felt like I was doing like, wait, am I, is it okay for me to say mm. I knew that? And so also, you know, if you're listening and you're like, well, I statements may not fit for my family or my culture. Like that's okay. As long as you feel like you are communicating your emotional needs and you're getting your emotional needs met. Mm-hmm. That's- So you may, you know, change it around a bit, but yes,
1: yes. I love that. Well, I thought we kind of wrap it up a little bit with the topic of bullying. Mm -hmm. Um, I, the reason I wanted to bring this topic up is because I've experienced some bullying recently Mm -hmm. and bullying, it would, no matter what age you are, it can happen at a very young age. It can happen in adulthood is, is, is sad. And unfortunately words hurt. And even though things that are said to us, we don't maybe even necessarily believe them. It's still once they're said, they're there, you know. And so I wanted to share with you and I wanted to share with my listeners um Some things that have been said to me, and then I want to also share with you guys, I asked you guys on Instagram, what are some things that have been said to you that unfortunately have been kind of ingrained in you? And um, I know this may be kind of hard to hear, but I think it's important because I think this is such a big issue in our Mm -hmm. society right now, especially with social media and and Facebook, and it's so easy to hide behind a screen. So- Here are some things that have been said to me um, all the way from my uh, childhood, growing up school, and all the way to now. Damn, you're ugly. Hey, you're pretty, pretty ugly. You're so loud. Can you quiet down? You are a lot. You're just too much. You should change your laugh. It's too loud and not feminine enough. You embarrass me in public. You're so self-centered. Your podcast is dumb as fuck you should start a podcast about being a narcissist and dating. Um, And then these are the things that have been said to other, my listeners on um, who I pulled on Instagram. You're too intimidating. You're going to get so fat. You won't be able to walk. You're a passive listener. You're too loud. Your face is cute, but the rest of you needs work. You will never be man enough for any girl out there you're not worth loving. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, like, and I get chills just reading those, especially from my listeners. And it's just, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about maybe why people feel the need to come out and say those things and how we can move forward from that.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, um,
0: I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I think it's such an important topic and can impact just being bullied, cyber bullied during your childhood or adulthood can have such a significant impact. And just hearing you share all of that, I just broke my heart because I... Because I also grapple with, you know, how is it that people can say that, right, on a personal level? Like, how could you say that to someone? Um, I think when we think of social media, unfortunately, there's such a pre- prevalence, especially online or just through cyber, you know, bullying, because there's a sense of just being anonymous and no one knowing you and sort of feeling like it's okay because I'm not really impacting someone. I'm just throwing this in virtual land and I don't really see the outcome of that, right? Whereas when we bully, if like, hopefully we don't, but when we say negative things to people in person, people may still do it, but they also still see the repercussions of that. But when it's online, you don't see the repercussions. And for some reason, people feel comfortable to say whatever they want and not be impacted negatively themselves in any sort of way because they don't see that, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not discussed, they may not see how that landed on you. Um, and I think a lot of times when someone is bullying, it oftentimes, or no, all, I would say not oftentimes, I would say that is their stuff. It is always their stuff. Like, so sure, they're picking out something about you, but I, it, and this may be hard to sort of realize in the moment, but it has nothing to do with you. They're, mm-hmm projecting, they're putting their own stuff onto you. And so I think that oftentimes speaks about their own potentially bullying experiences, maybe in a negative experience within our family, within their social support, but also just talks about how it can be because of how they're feeling about themselves in the world. So I would say from, you know, a mental health or psychological standpoint, I think that it oftentimes people who are bullying are people who have been bullied right Mm. or are needing power or control in that situation and so as much as you can which this is so incredibly hard because I think a part of being you know vulnerable and open and I know even with you with your podcast like you're sharing your life you're letting people in like with that is coming you know a lot of other people's assumptions projections reactions and as much as you can being like you know recognizing like, okay, this is one person's perspective. This isn't for mine to carry or to process or to figure out. Right. Mm -hmm. This is, this is their stuff and trying to distance yourself from that. Um, and if it, if it is, you know, online, taking little like precautions, maybe, you know, safety measures of like blocking the person or um, reporting the person, like these are things that you can do right now. I will say, you know, during childhood and as a kid, it is a lot harder. And if it's repeated, um, it can feel like, you know, that there's nothing that a child can do. And so if you're a parent or just an older adult and you have like younger siblings, I would say really just be mindful of How they're presenting like emotionally, because they may not tell you that they're being bullied, but being like, okay, is there a change in mood, anxiety, different behaviors, and sort of reaching out early on to get them support? Mm. Yeah. And I think a
1: lot too of like not just cyberbullying, but also like I think you know, even dating or being yeah. in relationships, oftentimes we say horrible things to our partners mm-hmm. or horrible things to those who were dating. Like, I'm sure I said some really nasty things to my ex-husband and he said some things to me that really hurt. So how can we, when it's, so I totally agree with the cyberbullying like block, try and shake it off. That's not yours to bear. That's their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And I still believe that when we say, I I mean, I think when we say anything nasty to someone, that's our own stuff. But how, when that, something like that is said to your face from someone that you gave yourself to or have opened your heart to, how do you move forward from that? Because I feel like that's a little bit harder,
0: right? Yeah, no, no, it can really be a lot harder, especially within an intimate relationship. Um, There's no easy way outside of really, processing and what I mean by that is really talking it through expressing how you feel expressing what you're needing from them and all of that is uncomfortable but it's necessary right because if you feel like you know like there's no there's there may be a desire to like pull away but if this is a relationship that you are wanting to stay in as much as hard as it is I think really communicating just the impact that that's had on you and talking that process through um And just, you know, talking about where you're going to make sure to do that. So that never happens because our words have such a lasting impact. And usually when we're being bullied or even with emotional abuse, it's hitting, it can really um, sort of filter your own experience of yourself, right? So it really challenges your own self-esteem, your own likability, your own core beliefs. And so if you don't really take the time to really see like, okay, asking your partner, like, why did you say that? What did you mean Mm this is what I understood when you said, what did Mm. you, right? So they, you know, they maybe said out of frustration, not that that's okay. That's not okay. But I think it's helpful for you who's on the receiving end to hear, oh, well, they just said they were angry. They didn't really think I was X, Y, Z. So being like asking those questions, asking the questions that you really want to know, because those are the things that are going to stay with you. And I think, you know, just one other thing that I would add, you know, even with the cyberbullying, if you've been someone who cyberbullied someone, I would encourage you to reach out mm. to and apologize. Because I think, you know, or any bullying, if you've known you've hurt someone, you may not think that it's impacted them, but it likely has impacted them. And so, mm. you know, so much can be resolved by just, you know, reaching out and apologizing. That I would just share with listeners because I'm sure we've all hurt someone
1: mm-hmm. unintentionally or intentionally. Yeah. I mean, I can think of a couple people right now from junior high and even elementary school that I could totally reach out to and just apologize yeah. for just being an asshole and taking my own lack of self confidence and putting it on them. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been so amazing. Do you have any last words of wisdom to share with my listeners? Yes, yes. Um, thank you. I've had such a great
0: time, by the way. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Me. I love talking about this. I would say that I think the two main points that I would like to leave your listeners with is... Avoiding comparing yourself to others. And what I mean by that, and especially within our dating life, so if we think about your listeners who are dating and relationships, it can feel easy well to compare either your relationship to someone else's relationship, your ideas of what it means to be a perfect partner versus how you actually are. Um, you're, you know, comparing how you are feeling internally to how your date seems to be feeling right. And so there are many different ways where we compare ourselves and a lot of it can be through social media, but really recognizing that it's an unfair comparison to compare how you're internally feeling with someone is with what someone is externally presenting. Mm-hmm. And so not doing that comparison, I think one. And then also I, I would, I encourage us of everyone, but especially if you're experiencing any sort of self-critical thoughts of really being compassionate towards yourself and doing things to nurture their compassion of either, you know, the gratitude journal or recognizing the things that you do well at. And I always tell, you know, and even for dating, like thinking about like, what, what can I offer my date? Why would they want to be on a date with me? Like, what can I offer? And if it's hard for you to identify that, think about what what do your loved ones say about you like mm-hmm. oh you know it's funny because you talked about your laugh i actually loved your laugh when i was listening to your podcast oh even something as you know can be physical can be your laugh can be emotional anything right and then finally treat yourself like you would a friend
1: hmm.
0: so whatever you would say to a friend in that same situation that's either causing you anxiety rejection, whatever it is, what would you say to a friend? Because that's probably more accurate to how you should be treating yourself.
1: Mm. Oh, this is so amazing. You are so amazing. You're gorgeous. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, tell us where we can find
0: you. Yes, of course. Um, so I, um, I'm on Instagram. So I dot at Dr. Shiva on Instagram. And so Instagram, I actually just recently started my Instagram and it's been a place for me to talk a lot about relationships, relational wellness, self confidence. So if you're interested in these topics, if you're wanting to build your self confidence, your social confidence, um, or just want to connect, I would really encourage you to reach out. I love connecting through Instagram. Um, and I, on my Instagram, I also have my website with just information about the services that I offer. But Would love to connect with you all. And thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Of course.
1: Thank you, Dr. Shiva. I can't wait to keep in touch with you and see all the amazing things that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. Likewise. All right. Well, thank you again, Dr. Shiva, for coming on the show. You shared such powerful words with us. And I'm so appreciative and I know my listeners are appreciative as well. So, guys, again, make sure to go follow her on Instagram at Dr. Shiva, S H E V A. I will also be tagging her in my Instagram. So, make sure to follow me at Hello and Goodbye Podcast at underscore Leanna Joan. Please rate, subscribe, and review on the Apple Podcast app. It would take 20 seconds of your time, and I would really, really appreciate it. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and I'll see you next time. Bye.